welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. This is episode 90, and today we're talking about delicate egos, defending against bird attacks, coffee bullshit, the London Marathon, and dead bats. But of course, before that, we have to get through the tedious heatwave chat. So let's just get on with it. It's been hot in the UK. Everyone knows because we've all gone on about it. Amy, go ahead. It's been hot. Yeah. It's been hot. That's it really, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I talk a lot on the podcast. I could, can't do heat. Like even now, like the heat wave is over. It's a lot cooler, but I still, I'm still not coping. <laughs> it's still not good. But yeah, I, I, we've got air con. So uh, yeah, we can only put it on for like five minutes a day because it costs so much money. And it's a massive one. So we bought it at the beginning of lockdown um, in 2020. And it was when we had like a mini heat wave during lockdown and everywhere sold out of aircon. So we had to buy it direct from an aircon supplier. And nice. it's like the biggest, it could probably cool down like a whole office, you know, and we've just got it in our lounge. Um, but it does make our lounge feel like a fridge. So I feel quite, uh, okay. been feeling quite smug about it. <laughs> so the Patreon money is not no longer going on a car. It's going on your aircon bill. Yeah, it's going on my electricity bill, basically. I have no idea. You know, all the electricity prices are going up and stuff. I have no idea what running the air con has cost for the last few days, but... Um, Best not to think like, about it. Yeah, I was like... Just ignore it and it'll probably be fine. Uh, yeah. But I have seen, so I, I ventured out a bit in the heat wave, just over to the shops, which are literally across the road, to um, just to buy some some ice cream. Um, and I did see people running. Yeah, well... Why? Why? Well, why not? Because it's bloody hot. It's, it's record-breaking temperatures. And there was a guy running... And he'd taken his T-shirt off and he tucked it in his shorts and was running. I'm like, mate, in this heat, just t- taking your T-shirt off is not going to save you. Um, I mean, if anything, it, it increases your chances of getting burnt. So it's probably yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was str- he looked hot. Like, he looked like he was struggling. I'm like, what? Do- look at your phone. Look at the app. Turn on the news. You know it's going to be hot today. I read somewhere as well that, like, when you're running, it's... 10 degrees you feel 10 degrees hotter than the heat outside so if you're running in whatever it was in cardiff i think it was like what 35 or something like you're running in 45 degree heat mate oh speaking of which you've just reminded me did you see our super guest reese at badwater in death valley yeah yeah i saw the instagram post jesus christ um it's it's a race in death valley it's 135 miles it's in the middle of summer He's gone to give it a go. He had to pull out, had to be taken to A&E and was there for a couple of days with, he he put on his post, just kind of mentioned rhabdo. I was like, no idea what that is. Had a look at what that is. Basically, it's when your muscles start to kind of liquefy and seep into your bloodstream and poison your liver. Yeah, it's really dangerous. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, it's a good, I mean, that's a good reason to pull out, you know, we're, yes. we're not going to yeah. say, Reese, what, you should just push through that. <laughs> yeah, come on, man up push Jesus. through it yeah he's he fine <laughs> yeah he's been posting about it and stuff he is fine he got very good care he was taken off the course really quickly and everything but mm. fucking hell that's scary that's a, yeah absolutely horrendous do they know what's caused it yet was it the the heat or i think it was it was really fucking hot and he was running yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that's yeah. what does it just yeah, a reminder probably. this is the race where you run on the white lines in the road to make your shoes melt slower like yeah. they'll still melt but they'll melt a little slower yeah i mean Ugh. when yeah when i'm complaining about the heat when i'm running down the ely trail in cardiff and it's it's 26 degrees and i'm sweating and feeling like i can't go on yeah i just need to put things in perspective a bit yeah that is that is a scary scary thing hopefully he feels much better and is back in the uk soon 
Yeah, I've seen some Instagram posts by him, so I'm assuming he's in a place where he's starting to feel better, at least, you know. Cool. Uh, Back to the last episode, Danny Norman replied to us to say, there is an advantage to less women at ultras, smaller toilet queues. Uh, Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Great reason to keep women away. Uh, Something we'll come on to later on, actually. But perhaps if more women run ultras, event companies will go bust paying for toilets. So Mm. I will say, though, like most of the most of the ultras and stuff I've been to, they're all unisex toilets. So (laughs) I don't know whether that actually solves any of the issues, you know. Yeah, but women have to go more often, don't they? You know what I mean? I will say this is my sexist take. And I think I'm allowed to say it's because I'm a woman. Like I'm allowed to be homophobic and everything else. Like... (laughs) What some women? What are they doing in the toilet? Like this? I know, I know. That you, <laughs> I, listen, right? I know. I'm a woman. I know women need to do things to do with their periods and stuff in the toilet. But what are the chances that every woman that's in front of me in the queue is on their period? It's just not happening. So what? What is everyone doing? Like, what is everyone doing? Because when I go to the toilet, I go for a wee. Even if I'm on my period, like, it's a quick turnaround, you know? I'm like, I mean, I'm in you want to be in and out as quick as possible. In and out, yeah, especially in a public toilet. But I go for a wee, sort myself out, come out. What is going on? <laughs> That's not, I, I can say that because I'm a woman, like, surely. But what is going on? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I want to say, like, that's probably not the call to action we want on this episode, is it? <laughs> Women, what are you doing in Portaloos? But does any... I don't want to know. I want to know from other women as well, if, if they agree with me that they think, you know, when they're in the queue for the ladies' toilets, like, they're like, what is uh, happening? Women tearing each other down. Yeah, that's more like yeah, yeah. honestly. <laughs> that's better. I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just curious. Like, not everyone can be on their period and be doing a poo, you know? It's like, there's, there's no chance. I just, I just want to know what's happening. <laughs> Amazing. Thank anyway, you. Anyway, yep. <laughs> Uh, while we're here, speaking of toilets and poos and uh, usual kind of thing, it just occurred to us, we've got our 100th episode in 10 episodes time. So there's lots of time. It's probably going to be the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next year. Uh, any ideas for what you want us to do for that? I mean, it's either some kind of big content we can go and do, or you want to listen to thing, another live thing. We don't know. We haven't really thought about it. And I'm impressed with thinking about it this far ahead, to be honest. But we do want your ideas on that. So please let us know. Yeah, definitely. It's a big deal. 100. Might get a letter from the Queen. (laughs) Do we? No. No. (laughs) Okay, let's have a tea update instead. Yay. Ooh. Amy, it's Christmas in July. July what? Lads, 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 lads. You better be listening to this before the Thursday when this episode comes out because Bird and Blend are selling off their Christmas and limited editions at up to 70% off. Wow. Christmas teas are the best teas as well. Oh, they are. Like, if you're into, like, your cinnamons and stuff like that, like I am, oh, definitely stock up. I drink it all year round. Your spicy mold shit. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, um, That sale is on now until midnight on the 28th of July. So you need to head to runningisbs.com forward slash tea or our socials for the link and fill your proverbial boots. Yes, and you can use the discount code Xmas in July 22 at checkout for free UK delivery. So what? all that information is on the website. What? Yeah, yeah. Free, free UK delivery. delivery. Mate, anything free delivery, I'm like, yeah. Don't you hate it? Even if you're spending like 50 quid and then they throw on like a three pound delivery charge, you're like, nah, no, 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 no. Free delivery. That, what what that, I like is yeah. if you spend £41 and they say, spend £50 for free delivery. You're like, yeah, I'll spend another tenner instead yeah, of paying yeah. £3 delivery. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yeah, so we're definitely going to get stuck in as soon as the sale opens. I've had oh, to put my yes. um, my subscription on pause because I'm gathering up too much tea. So yeah, so you're going to ruin that again by buying. Yeah, 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 more. yeah. The thing is about the subscription. I love the subscription, but I'm getting to the stage now where I've sampled enough tea to know what I want, and I yeah. want more of it. You know, so perfect timing. Amazing. Stuart, what are you drinking this episode? Uh, I believe you had a bit of ginger beer last time. Well, I'm on yes. the ginger beer this time because you recommended it as a cold brew, which is probably a very, very good idea. Mm. And I've got ginger beer this time. It is a rooibos tea with ginger, lime leaves and lemon peel. And it is zingy is what I'm saying. Let me have a little zingy. sip now. <coughs> <coughs> that is unrelated coughing. <coughs> I've got a cold. I'll come to that. Uh, that is a zingy tea, and that is actually really what I want when I've got a cold. That is gingery, mm. and that is citrusy, and that is very delicious. I'm not always a huge fan of Boss, especially on its own, but it mm. carries flavour very well. It does. It's, it's good. It's quite... It's kind of sweet, so it's good for, like, the, the sweeter teas and also mixing, like, the sweet and the, the spiciness as well, I find. Yeah, if you really like it strong, you could brew that really nice and strong as well. That'd be good. Definitely. Which is, speaking of brewing things strong, which is not what I've done with my tea this evening, which is never, I'd never brew my tea strong, but I've kind of messed up my tea this evening. So in honour of Christmas in July, I opened one of my unopened Christmas teas, um, which is mulled cider. And again, this was through my subscription. I was reading the ingredients and the main ingredient is apple pieces. And I'm not normally a fan of tea with apple is the main ingredient especially hot and i don't have anything to to make anything cold at the minute um but i did my usual thing especially because it's got ingredients i'm not a big fan of i did my usual thing of just sort of dipping it in for all of two seconds and now my tea doesn't really taste of much <laughs> top tip amazing i know i know so this is definitely one that needs to be brewed for longer i will say though from the bits i can taste i think i am gonna like this one like i said not normally a fan of like apple teas i like apples but not in tea um but this has got lots of ginger and cinnamon in so the the spices in there i think make it taste really good it balances out the apple oh we, we love a warm spice tea oh, love it love it love it and this is also a caffeine free one so great for in the evening amy what you've been up to the last few weeks well, I haven't been running with Pippin. No Pippin for over two weeks Aww. now. She had her, her spay. She's been, her womb has been removed. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I asked the vet if I could keep it in a jar on the windowsill. And he said, why? Yeah. I said, I just want a womb with a view. But um, <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, today was the first day I took her out for, for a run with me again. Um, and she went completely mental like she yeah. was loving life she um, lunged at two people which <laughs> Pippin's always been a bit of a reactive dog but through training she stopped the lunging is excitement but yeah. it's quite scary for the other person so and she always does it very last minute as well you'll be running with her and you think she's not even noticed this person's here or she's just you know not paying attention then very last minute she's like like, that. <laughs> like like almost like jump scaring them um, so that wasn't great like one guy was pretty scared he he almost jumped into a bush when she did it so uh but just very very overexcited the good thing is she came home and she's like slept all day which yep. was nice because she was getting to the stage like when she first had the operation she was obviously very tired and her body's healing and all that but the last week she's gotten to the stage where she's been playing up a bit and getting a bit feisty so, yep. so it's very good to be out running with her again that's <laughs> Yeah, and I've also been trying to get up early in order to beat the heat. I don't like running in the heat. We all know this. Uh, Failing, though, every time, every time I set my alarm, I just turn it off and go back to sleep. And I know, I know in my head when I go back to sleep, I'm like, 
you're going to have to run when it's really hot and you're going to be sweaty and you're going to feel really unwell because you're dehydrated. And I I still do it every time. Mm. So getting up early has not been happening. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's it. Not really much else happening. How about you? Uh, Well, I've been lucky because Holly's been getting up at five to walk with him and go for runs. And that suits me because I get a couple of hours in bed on my own, which is nice. Um, Well, I mentioned last week, I went to Croatia. Croatia is really nice. People should go to Croatia. I went to Split and it was fantastic. Had a really nice run there on the Sunday. There's a nice peninsula that kind of sticks out into the sea. Uh, Lots of nice little trails through there. Very, very dry, as you'd imagine, and quite a lot of shade. So that was really good. And we had a little swim as well. We went to what we discovered later on was a really famous beach where all the Instagrammers and influencers go. Didn't know that. But we went there for a nice little paddle at like seven in the morning. That was very, very much appreciated when it was super hot. Uh, Also did some paddle boarding and some cliff diving and looked super cool, as you can imagine. Yeah. So that was very nice. It was a very nice place. All for the gram. Absolutely. Actually, I haven't put it on the gram. I just put food and dogs on my Instagram. Um, But actually, before that, I did go for a couple of runs while it was really hot. So perhaps this is what these other people do, Amy. I was acclimatizing myself to the hot weather. No. Nothing can acclimatize you to 40 degrees. Well, it wasn't that hot there. And it wasn't actually that hot in Cardiff, so... Oh, don't. (laughs) The thing is, I came back because it was, you know, properly hot in splits. And then it was about the same, if not maybe, in theory, a little hotter in Cardiff. But I didn't really notice it, so everyone was talking about the heat wave. And I just, I would, like, a bit underwhelming to me. Didn't, wasn't fussed. Also, um, my way to beat the heat is to live in a 120-year-old rented house. I will say, yeah. That does the job very nicely. Didn't even notice. Like, the Monday, hottest day of the year ever in the UK, didn't really notice. Yeah. I mean, like, I live in a a flat that was built 10 years ago, so it's obviously been designed to keep all the the heat in. So without the aircon, we would have died, I think. Uh, On the way back, we were the only mask wankers in the airport and on the plane, pretty much, and I got a cold. Mm, A cold quotation marks yeah i took a couple of COVID tests this week haven't haven't got anything so i think it is just a cold is it seems pretty standard so i haven't really run much this week i'm just at the tail end of it now while i was coughing earlier not the tea um i'm at the very kind of good stage now at the end of a cold where i get the occasional nose blow but it's satisfyingly productive you know when you you really fill that tissue up nicely yeah that's the worst part of having a cold is unproductive Unproductive coughs and unproductive nose blowing. Yeah, you, you want to bring it. something up properly. I want to be productive, yeah. I want to fill that tissue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, cut God. that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, anyway, let's move on. It's time for our guest, and this is one of my favourite introductions I have ever written. Our guest this episode comes from a land down under and is here to tell us all about the horrors of living in the godforsaken hellhole that wants you and your whole family dead that is Australia. Robbie Williams, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. That intro gets us off on the right foot, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It won't alienate the 4% of our audience from Australia. Not at all. They'll be cheering. Yeah, uh, hopefully we don't get too much delay from the satellite link up we've got here. Um, Let's start with a little bit about you and your background. My name's Robbie, uh, Robbie Williams, um, not the other Robbie Williams. No, grew um, up in Stoke, uh, joined a pop band in the 90s. That's right. No, no, no I was, I was, uh, I was I'm in a different universe. I am an occasional runner. Well, I say occasional runner, I'm a park runner. Um, uh, I got involved with park run in Australia once I stopped playing competitive soccer because I wanted to find a way to stay fit. Not that I was actually that fit when I was playing soccer, I just like to convince myself that I was. And someone convinced me 
in 2012 to go to this funny little thing that was starting in Adelaide called Park Run. And I kind of figured like I needed just some external motivation to uh, run regularly. So I went to this uh, funny little thing called Park Run just after it was launched. And um, the rest was history. So I'm now the event director at um, Torrens Park Run mm -hmm. in the centre of Adelaide. Lovely course. Um, but every park runs a lovely course. Uh, but it's a lovely course. And um, uh, yeah, I've just been sucked into the vortex of running over the last 10 years. That's similar to me, actually. I used to play football and I was terrible at it. And I realised if you go running and you're terrible at running, no one shouts at you. That was my main motivation. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can buy into that. It's, uh, it's good. But then again, you know, there are pressures that go with running as well. Because one of the things I've found is that now that I'm part of a running community which um, shares, you know, social media thoughts, I'm just completely um, swamped with other people telling me where they've run, what they did, how they did it, where they fell over, how much blood was lost. And uh, I think it's meant to be motivating, but I find it all, um, it's, all it's all a bit overbearing sometimes. And yet when I read this stuff, what's the next thing I do? I go out for a run. Yeah, that's well, that's weird. the content that we want to gather. So you need to send them our way because we want to hear about that. That's exactly <laughs> what we're here for. Um, now, I know you because um, you've got family in the UK. And when you come over to Wales, you run with our club in Cardiff. And you've been doing that for quite a few years now. Yeah, it was, it's great because um, uh, for a while in um, Adelaide, there was that thing called the um, Nike Run Club. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, oh, I was doing one there that as well. Yeah, and I, that's right. Well, I snagged one of those Nike Run Club shirts. And I, then I was doing a park run. I think it might have been. In fact, I know it was. It was the launch event for Grangemore. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that event, there were several other persons uh, there who were sporting the Cardiff version of the Nike Run Club shirt. And um, one of your um, club members invited me to exchange shirts at the end of the event. It's a bit like uh, okay. being at the World Cup, you know, yeah. you swap shirts at the Palais or something. So um, we swapped shirts. So he got a better deal because his doesn't fit me. Uh, but um, so that was nice. That kind of like bonded us. You know, I felt bonded to yeah. um, CDF runners because of this very important shirt sharing moment. And so from that moment on, I've, um, I've sought out the fellowship of the CDF runners whenever I'm in town. Yeah, and it's been lovely to have you along. And obviously, as anyone has to do when you meet someone from another country, especially with something like running, you have to talk about differences between your countries and things that you do so when you come over to the UK obviously you know you do quite a few runs and things is there anything you've kind of noticed that you think well obviously you know what are the main differences between running in the UK and Australia and, it, and I know straight away we're going to talk about weather we're going to talk about the weather we have to talk about the weather the first park run I did in in Cardiff in um, the UK was Cardiff because mm -hmm. my folks are based in Cardiff and so um, I went to, and it starts an hour later which is great because in uh, where I live in um southern part of australia it's eight o'clock start in fact the only part of, of australia that starts at nine is tasmania uh, along with new zealand um, but the further north you go in australia um, the earlier you get so if you draw an invisible dotted line across the middle of australia horizontal line then above the line it's seven o'clock start uh, which is um, i suggest not for the faint harder because not only is it early but it's also humid so anyway, so nine o'clock start, well, that's fantastic. So I showed up and it was naught degrees at nine o'clock. Yeah. And everyone was smiling. People were wearing singlets. I was wearing, I think, three layers and a pair of gloves. <laughs> and people are in like, and people are there like beforehand, like 20, 25 minutes before I'm chatting away. And it's naught degrees. I was turning blue. 
So uh, I, whereas um, at our event at Torrens, um, if there's even the slightest prospect of rain, we'll lose half of our, half of our likely attendance. Whereas it strikes me in the UK, um, and I certainly say this for the CDF runners, it's um, it's the rain seems to make it. You, you all want to do it more. I've, it's weird how many people something to in it. Britain will be out running in the most miserable conditions. Now, I, what's that about, Stuart? I believe Cardiff is technically like the wettest. It's either the wettest city in the UK or it has the most days of rain in the UK, something like that. So we just kind of get used to it, and it's normal. I always think the worse the weather is, the better story you get out of it. It's a bad experience, but it's a good anecdote. Absolutely. Well, the, 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 the only um, weather um, we can um, compete with as a dare is that um, uh, wh where we are in Adelaide, we've had at least three um, parkrun events uh, uh, at Torrens where the temperature at eight o'clock was higher than 32 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just funny to me. That's not a real thing. That's not a real temperature. <laughs> It was warm. It was very, very warm. So you have to encourage people to take to drink water and not to try and hit that PB, that personal best, because yeah. that's a surefire way of getting up in the emergency room in the yeah, hospital. Probably not the day to do that. Um, is there anything that you think either country could learn from the other about running and kind of their approaches to running? Yeah, well, I think um, on the weather front, I think, um, you know, we, we, I think in my senses in Australia, I say, I'm sure Tasmanians would disagree with this and people certainly in New Zealand would. But I think uh, certainly where I live, I think we need to be used to running in, the, in wet weather a lot more because mm. uh, it's fine. And actually don't dissolve, you know, and it's actually it's there's something lovely about running in, um, in uh, crappy weather, uh, particularly once you finish running in crappy weather and get to go home and, and warm up. Um, but uh, so I think we could learn that um, from the UK. Um, uh, in reverse, I think uh, uh, British runners can learn there's nothing to fear from running in Australia because most people think that if you run in Australia, something's going to come out and bite you or yeah. eat you or kill you in some other way. Now, I have to say it's true in the water, uh, which is why I don't swim in the sea in yeah. Australia. I'll never become a triathlete because often there's open water sections at the start and there's no way I'm going in that thing called the ocean because there are sharks, there's blue ringed octopus, there are um, blue stingers, jellyfish. Uh, there's, um, no, I'm not going in there. And I would encourage um, British people to do the same thing and avoid the sea. But land is much easier by comparison. Um, people worry about snakes, but essentially snakes can sense your coming way before you know they're in the vicinity and they'll shove off. So um, uh, British runners must be uh, reassured that snakes aren't, um, aren't there ready and waiting to snag you as you run along some rural path. Uh, just need to keep your eyes on the path in front of you, uh, particularly in actually the colder months, because sometimes the snake might sort of go out into the path and warm up um, because they're mm. cold-blooded, of course. They just need to um, warm up a bit and they might go out onto a path where they get a bit of sunshine or the path might be holding a bit of heat. Um, so sometimes if it's the cooler months, just need to keep an eye out. But um, uh, you know, I've never seen a snake while running. I've heard them because you sometimes hear them in the bushes, but I've never seen a snake. So there's absolutely zero, um, zero concerns. And actually the upside of trail running, because there aren't many, but one of the upsides of trail running in Australia is you, get, you do get to see some fantastic wildlife. Mm. And you can see echidnas, koalas, um, kangaroos, wallabies. It's, it is, um, it's a beautiful thing to behold. So, it's, um, so I think for, you know, the message for uh, British runners is that there is nothing to fear from running down under. It's fantastic. Um, and both countries uh, have wonderful environments in which to do your running. 
So we can say technically Cardiff is more dangerous than Adelaide because uh, recently I have seen an adder. It was just over a foot long, so quite a big deal um, yes. out in the trails near Cardiff. So that does mean uh, Cardiff, by this scientific evidence, uh, Cardiff is more dangerous than Adelaide. That's good enough for me. That's it. I'm never running in Cardiff again. That sounds dangerous to me. Um, is there anything, when you are out there, is there anything that you actually do have to be a bit more aware of? I know you say it's not necessarily snakes, but are there other things that are just kind of background concerns that you wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily think of? Uh, yes. Um, the most um, likely one would be um, dive bombing magpies. So there are certain times of the year. I've had a couple of people mention magpies to me. What's the magpie thing? Uh, well, it's um, they, they are um, they're only called the only um, connection with um, the British magpie is that they are both black and white and they're both called magpie, but they're mm -hmm. completely different um, uh, okay. species. Uh, so the um, uh, the Australian magpie, it's a beautiful bird, it's got a beautiful um, uh, song, uh, and um, in spring, of course, they um, start thinking about you know rearing a family and you're doing a bit of homemaking and stuff. And they can get a little bit defensive of their territory. Uh, and uh, what can happen is that they can dive bomb passers-by and they will uh, attempt to make contact with the part of your body that's closest to them, which is typically the top of your head. Um, and uh, they can wound you. You know, they've got very sharp beaks, yeah. um, sharp, sharp um, claws. And so you see this um, phenomenon uh, in um, Australia where cyclists, uh, by the way, cycling, uh, uh, wearing a helmet is compulsory in Australia. So uh, all cyclists wear a helmet, but what you, what is you that see because of the magpies? Doing, yeah, I'm not sure it's because of the magpies, okay. but it might as well be, but it, it's not enough. So what you, what you uh, find a lot of cyclists will do is they'll get cable ties and they will put them into those slots at the top of a safety helmet for yeah. a bicycle so that the, 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 they tie it really tight. So that most of the, 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 um, the uh, cable ties poking up in the air, like a little antenna. And they'll put three or four of these things into the top of their safety um, helmet for, for cycling so that to um, to uh, stuff up the magpie's depth perception. So, they'll try, so they basically they'll glance, make a glancing blow on the cable tie rather than the helmet. So you just got to prepare yourself. Uh, uh, so um, so and this goes for runners. So um, I've been known in areas where I know there's a problem with the magpie because sometimes there's signage is that I'll run and I'll have one hand <laughs> above my head holding my hand there like, I don't know, like a Mohican haircut. Because I figure if it's going to have a go at me, it'll hit my hand, and I'd rather hit my hand rather than my head. But what's interesting is if you run the same areas regularly, you actually get to know the magpies, and the magpies get to know you, and they don't dive bomb people that they're familiar with. Hmm. So, they, so they get, obviously, it's not like they know you and send you a birthday card. It's just that they're familiar with your presence in the area. They know you're not about to sort of, you know, try and sort of, you know, wreck their home so, uh, and steal their children. So, um, so they're fine. So it's only when you're unfamiliar and the magpie's feeling particularly grumpy. So I guess go regularly and take offerings with you to befriend the local magpies. Yeah, go regularly, take offerings. And if in doubt, wear a bicycle helmet. Yeah, or put your hand on your head. <laughs> That's right. And that is some top magpie tips from Robbie there. Can you tell we're still bitter about Ed Sheeran being on Behind the Medal? We're just grabbing people with the same names as celebrities now. Yeah, it's all about, you know, it's it's all about those Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Clicks. Oh, our SEO, yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah. If anyone knows any runners called Adele, yeah. get in touch. <laughs> we'll have them. <laughs> or Beyonce. If you've got a mate called Beyonce, yeah, let yeah, us know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We'll hear more from Robbie later. 
onto Patreon, where on the last episode, Amanda Murray Hind was so desperate for attention, she got to the instrumental break in the last song, hadn't heard her name yet, and sent us a message to ask if there'd been an issue with payment. She then pressed play again on her phone, heard her name being sung in the rest of the song that I hadn't finished yet, and messaged it again to say, never mind, I've just heard it. Like, if anyone knows Amanda, can you check in on her? She clearly needs some attention. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Love it. That is, that is very fragile. You poor thing. <laughs> oh... A welcome and thank you to Rachel Bullmore and Darren Roberts, mostly for having names that Amy can or at least should be able to pronounce. These people have signed up at patreon.com forward slash running this bullshit to give us money, and all of the rest of those people are Jason Spinks, Hugh Phillips, Anthony House, and Wally Colin Hill, Gabby Thomas, Nair, Rachel Bullmore, Shambolic Adults. Victoria Magnus, Brian Simpson, Ruth KP, David Owen, Matt Newbury, Matt Jesiorski, Matt James, Dan Roberts, Carl Fleming. Her name is Liz Reese, Bernadette McCarthy, Sophie James, Victoria Dick, James Lampert, Greg Collins, Neil Denton, Inhales Rachel Bentley, Rich Skirm, Elizabeth Chavan, Jonathan Carter, Nikki Genders, Angela Foster Swales. Amanda Murray Hind, Cassie Jones, Madlies, Charlie Neverson, Martin Kaplan, H.G. Stevens, Penny Simpson, Claire Dina, Hell Rider, Catherine Fenton, Martin Paul Hibber. Lisa Gibbon, Matt Garner, Debbie Hurley, Andy Robbins, Karen Hamilton, Maria Wicks, Kirk Shepherd, Gersil Clark, Gilmore, Matt H, Matt Caffin, Elliot Line, Iver Hewitt, Kath Everard, and Thompson, Francis Howe. Yeah, we're just going to skip most of this instrumental. Hey, Drew Edwards, Karen Blaine, Simon Grimshaw, Max McCarty, Matthew Waugh, Julia Page, AP, Amanda E, Hernandez, Viola Greb, Sherry Grubbs, Gordy Thelwell, Raymond Quinn, Jay. our messages so don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on twitter instagram facebook just search running is bs and let us know why you particularly hate running this week and listen up guys we have had an update about the coffee pot explosion and the obvious dangers of 
coffee don't do coffee kids just say no don't do coffee no and be careful if you feel like there's going to be a coffee pot explosion take all the usual precautions like open all your windows and stuff and throw the coffee pots okay. out of the windows yeah yeah so yeah th- this update is from claire allison who's back in touch and says hey amy and Stuart, i'm still working my way through the early episodes in an attempt to catch up but i've got to 2020 now god you're really behind allison um if it was a marathon i'd be at mile 10 Luckily, it's not because marathons are bullshit. I prefer looking at it like the 2K point in a park run. Sorry, Amy. No idea what that means. 2K point in a park run. Totally foreign to me. I wanted to let you know that my burns are all healed now and I was really lucky to get away with minimal scarring. I can't sue BLT because I was the doofus that took the coffee pot apart then reassembled it incorrectly. (laughs) I am a massive tea drinker and was only making the coffee for my friend Val who had run to my house from another town. Well, the same town, but the other side. I did toy with the idea that Val is bullshit, but she doesn't deserve that title. Despite being a filthy coffee drinker, Val is fab, and she was the one who got me into your podcast. She also alerted me to the Horses of Bullshit episode, without which I would have been responding to you in about six months or 16 miles. Keep up the great work, Claire Allison. I'm conflicted, Amy. Is Val bullshit? She is a coffee drinker mm. and made Claire get a coffee pot explosion, but then she gave her the podcast, so... Uh, is, is minimal sort of scarring... I mean, minimal scarring's fine. Minimal scarring. It's fine. It, it, I think I, I think that's, you know, a good balance. Minimal scarring introduced the best podcast of your life. Yeah, I'd say, Claire, buy her some tea. Yeah. That's yeah, get idea. her into tea. Yeah, yeah. Show her the way. Have you ever been injured by a teapot explosion? I have had a teapot explode, to be perfectly honest, I, I, but I wasn't injured by it. Who's, whose side are you on? <laughs> I don't even know why. You know what? I remember I was sat at my old flat and I heard this bang. It's one of those teapots with the built-in diffuser and it just cracked and fell apart. There was no water in it or anything. It just sort of exploded. Um, was it a drive-by? Maybe, Were you in a dodgy neighbourhood? No, and maybe poltergeist activity. I don't uh, know. I could have been that, yeah. The thing that I'm not, I'm not really a coffee drinker myself. The coffee that I do drink comes in a little packet, and you just add the hot water to, and it's got lots of sugar and, and chocolate in. Yeah. Um, but I will say, she, you took a pot, you took apart a coffee pot, and then put it back together. I don't. What? How many components are there to a coffee pot? <laughs> oh, let's not talk about coffee. We've wasted enough. Time. <laughs> Uh, this one kind of isn't a message, but it's something I put out on Twitter for a few replies. It's something I want to talk about anyway. It's something I want to talk about for a little while. We've probably all seen races being cancelled recently and events companies that are having to fold. And I just wondered, the really basic question, are there too many races now? Like, obviously, a lot of people have gone self-employed in the recent years. And there are plenty of clever people who are passionate runners who have moved into creating their own events. I just have a feeling they're putting a squeeze on older races and saturating the market. Also, like, we're now in late July, and the races just haven't let up. I feel sure that a few years ago, races would slow down in July and August because it was too hot and stupid. It's a stupid time to run. But they just seem relentless now. Like, every week, midweek, there's a couple of races, and then loads of the weekend as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any thoughts initially on that, Amy? (sighs) Yeah, it's difficult, because it's great that there's lots of different races in the sense that everyone can find the sort of race they want. But at the same time... I mean, there are repercussions as well. So something I heard from somebody who will remain anonymous and the the clubs involved and everything will remain anonymous. Um, 
So I heard about a situation where there was a local club run, which was like a trail run, and it was going through sort of farmers' lands and stuff and all of this. And usually they'd ask the farmers every year if they could use, you know, run across their land, and the farmers would say, "Yep, yeah, that's absolutely fine, you know, crack on." And the club they they wouldn't charge them anything, and the club could charge however much five, ten pounds for for a, a club race. And then a big events company came in, and they paid the farmers to run through their land, you know, mm-hmm. Cause, and then they factored it into their cost because they're, they're a big events company. They can charge lots of money for their races. So when the smaller club then goes back to those farmers, suddenly the farmers don't want to give their land away for free. They want to charge, you know. So I think there are repercussions of these sorts of things in that sense by this oversaturation. You know, because obviously the club have, have found this really nice route and fantastic, but a big events company come in and say, oh, yeah, that does sound really good, really fantastic. Yeah, I know. Um, That's a criticism yeah. I heard other places as well. Of they talk, People talk about these bigger companies who kind of swoop in and like, not quite, you know, not quite steal the routes, but yeah, swoop in with, you know, these bigger budgets. And, you know, we, we talk about how club and small community-based races are the most rewarding, but... As you said, these bigger companies come in, they can spend more money on advertising and professional websites and flashy production values, and they draw in all kinds of runners rather than the smaller races who traditionally have relied on word of mouth and local clubs and just people knowing to fill out their start lists. But Mm. then I kind of get conflicted. I go back at myself and think, well, in any other industry, you adapt or die. And while Mm. a lot of small races I know are brilliant, their comms are terrible, frankly. Yeah, and the other thing is that the whole, so the smaller club races sometimes have a bit of a, a negative reputation for being a bit elitist and all of that sort of thing, which isn't necessarily true, but it just comes from the tradition of being a competitive running club where mm. people, are, a lot of people are performing at the top of their game and things like that. And it can it sometimes, because I know, because I'm not saying this it's wrong or right in a way, because um, like trail, the trail running company who I did a race, I, I ran a race, um, one of their races a few weeks ago and I talked about it on the podcast and said they were absolutely, you know, it was really well organised, absolutely fantastic, all of that. But they, they're expensive and they're mm-hmm. expensive because they've got the budget, they've, they've, they've got all the, you know, health and safety stuff down. I have no idea whether they pay for people to run across that, you know, pay farmers to run across land. I have no idea about all of that, no idea at all. But when a race is a big commercial thing like that, I feel like it's going to be less elitist. I feel like it's going to be more open because the nature of it being commercial means they want as many people as possible to get involved. Hence, like, really long cut-off times as well, mm. things like that. But I think that's so, because it's an ultra yeah. as well, though. There's something else that we've talked about yeah. before. I don't think we've done the podcast that much, but ultras are generally a lot more inclusive. Yes, yeah. They, you know, they will try and attract as many people as possible. And people people find those friendlier than, I think, than short races, in a yeah. way. And you can, That's and a different with ultras, subject, I think. I want to talk about yeah. that. Yeah, and with ultras, you can... De- so with the trail running company, I do think their shorter races are a lot of money for what they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, so I'm so sure it's all whatever. I have no idea. But for what they are, I think it's expensive um, compared to other races. But when you're running ultras, I do find that they're usually worth the money. A lot of ultras, you mm. see, because you're you're going through multiple the aid stations alone you know you're going through multiple yeah. aid stations with a good good ultra well stocked and, and all of that sort of thing so i do uh, find yeah, the yeah, support and the safety are, and all that kind of thing as yeah, well. yeah 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 a lot of ultras you find are worth the money yeah i think it's just mm-hmm. these small like the smaller like the shorter distances with the trail running company and other trail running um or uh commercial races i do find them to be really 
expensive. Mm. That's the only thing. Yeah, well, this one um, particular trail events yeah. company, I think that's a good example. They do a good job of it, a lot of it, because their comms is great. And you go to their yeah. website and you can find all the information you want so quickly. And yeah. it's really good. And that's kind of the point I was making before. These smaller races, their comms are terrible. They might not even have a website. They Some don't have social media. You just have to know someone who knows that race is happening a lot and of the because, time. Yeah, and because these small clubs can't really charge 40 quid for a half marathon mm. because they well, have they that tradition of not doing it. No, and they don't want to. So the reason why the trail running company, their comms are so good is because they're probably paying people yeah, to yeah, do that absolutely. job. So, so yeah, I'm not yeah. saying like these small ones, they like deserve to go under because they're not doing a good enough job. I'm thinking... Mm. Hopefully, perhaps it's a bit of a kick up the ass to improve the way they communicate and kind of give people a bit more information and encourage new runners to come in. Or at least just like new websites. Jesus Christ, you can set up a website for free that's (laughs) usable. (laughs) Yeah. And just remember that top tip, put the date and the time of the race at the top of your front page, because that's what most people want. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When I did put this out on Twitter, a couple of people pointed out that COVID will have had an impact. And I kind of forget about that because I've just gone barreling back into races without thinking about it, really. Um, there are a lot of people who are still avoiding races to stay away from crowds, which is, of course, fair enough. And I forget about that a bit. Uh, Michael Dark replied, because this is the type of thing that we talk about all the time. And he said, the big production races are sucking all the air out of the room and the money with it. And they set an expectation on events that the community can't and shouldn't have to match. Uh, He said it's also a point to say there are a lot of runners who perhaps aren't as venturous as they could be. Now, I think a lot of runners say, I don't do hills or I'll only run for a T-shirt. And I don't want to be like really judgmental about it. But I definitely think there's something in that because I think smaller races can give so much more personality and community and support. that I don't think huge numbers and a fancy medal can contend with. Of course, that's just my opinion and me projecting onto everyone else. But I just think small races just need to be given a go a lot more. I I think that, yeah, I think it needs to come from both sides. So like I said, a lot of small races, because I'm a slower runner, much slower runner, especially with trail events, you know, um, that's what puts me off entering small races because I do worry that they're going to be elated, all these different things. So I think it's a case of, yeah, people like me signing up and having a go, but also the comms from those races, if they are inclusive, because some races aren't. Some races mm-hmm. pride themselves in only having like really short cutoffs so that they're, they're appealing to a certain type of runner. But if you're a race that has like, say, a long cutoff, all those sorts of things, you really need to communicate that clearly mm-hmm. um, to get people on board, you know? Yeah, and again, use your social media. Make a big deal of those middle and back of the pack runners. As we've seen mm-hmm. quite a few races, like, you know, there's quite often these viral clips of the last runner in a marathon. And there's like a huge celebration. And if you do more of that and actually make people more aware that it's fine, it doesn't matter where your position is. The fact you've done it and you've tried your best, that's the point. That's that should be what they want to see. Yeah. And at the very least, make those cutoff times obvious because the amount of races that I've had to message and say, do you have cutoff times? What are your cutoff Mm. times? Like, again, the trail events company, they put that the cutoff time is 6.30 p.m. in the evening, you know, and then, you know, you know whether you can achieve that or not. Mm. And it, it definitely opens it up. Whereas there, we talked about Rado around the lakes um, before on the podcast, and they just have this really like, and I know it's because it's over like hills and it's like out in the middle of nowhere and all that, but they just have this really vague sort of, we'll pull you off the course if it's unsafe. And when you're approaching that race, you do think, okay, but how fast do you need to be to run this race? Can mm. I run it? You know, like, and I did it, I ran it, and I was one of the last, me and Jen were like, we're, we're some of the last runners to finish but we did it and the marshals were fine with us continuing and all that but 
that I only did that because Jen had run it before mm. and I knew that she finished and it was all fine. So I think it just more clarity around cutoff points as well. Yeah, I mean, this great discussion. It's a good, sensible discussion we've had, which has not happened yeah. for a little while. Haven't answered yeah. the question at all about whether there are too many races. My inclination oh, yeah, yeah. still <laughs> feels like there are, especially now. We're like late July and there are still races most evenings it seems midweek and that just seems mad to me and i'm not sure whether i just know about more races than i did five years ago or whether yeah, just I, don't loads. Know. I don't know whether people are you're racing. not as racy as me though are you so yeah i was gonna say i don't know really whether people that are, are racing <laughs> i don't know whether people are racing more as well because for me i like doing events but actually i wouldn't want to be doing one every week mm. like, i want to do my own running and for my own reasons and things like that whereas i know that some people are doing them pretty much every week yeah um, and I guess if that's what motivates you and that's what you enjoy, but I can't really, I don't know if people who do cycle races are doing the same, are they doing them every week? Like, like I don't know. It just seems just like... Don't be doing all these races in July evenings. It's too much. <laughs> God. I want it. Uh, well, to finish this off, Nicholas Box will reply to say, yet the pizza run is still going. Oh yeah, of course it fucking is. <laughs> fucking pizza run. Pizza run. I'm not yeah. sure if that's libel or slander. Or something, but I just it's, it's that race that really pisses me. Oh, off. that's another. So that's that's another thing. Is all these like races that have some sort of it's novelty races? I don't, novelty. I don't mind a quirky like, race. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a quirky race, a fun race, but a novelty race, they can fuck oh. off. Uh, they, I, I part of me is like it's great because it would it gets people running, people who maybe wouldn't consider running. But the other part of me is like they're such fucking money grabbing bastards because they always charge so much yeah i wonder what you get in return of the brand new runners to the pizza run and other things like that or these inflatable runs how many then start running regularly i'm gonna bet it's very very few yeah yeah it's usually usually the people that carry on running the people that enter like big challenges like half marathons and marathons and stuff like just a regular fucking half marathon or a marathon nothing like every mile you chug a beer or whatever like you know whereas these like novelty ones yeah i think it's uh that's banter for people in your office isn't it yeah especially because they tend to be about 5k so people don't tend to train for them much because you know you could you could walk it or run walk it you know good i'm glad we got in some ranting at the end and uh, we actually <laughs> yeah. we have been speaking to a race organizer and we hope to speak to them very very soon i think that'll be a really interesting uh chat mm. from someone that's actually organizing races and someone it's not going that well for either so that we really mm. true mm. uh we're going to go back to robbie now for more ways australia is different to the uk chat Other kind of unexpected threats, and I can't remember if you, if it's you that's told me this or whether you know about this from other Australian park runs, but I know there's park runs where part of the pre-run course check includes clearing out dead bats from the path. Oh, yes, it's us. That's, yeah, that that's is you, our, yeah. That's our event. Yeah, dead so have, bats um, on the path. <clears throat> yeah, in Australia, we have um, fruit bats. Um, so you can imagine a cat with wings, and that's pretty much a fruit bat. They're, they're quite big. <laughs> And they, um, we've got a few thousand of them in um, Adelaide. They, uh, they're a large colony that are in the Botanic um, Park uh, in the centre of Adelaide. And actually a beautiful thing to behold for anyone doing a bit of tourism in, in South Australia, because at dusk they um, all wake up and they come down the river and they, they skim the top of the water to gather up, to soak up water onto their fur. And they'll go and hang in a tree upside down. They'll use the water to drink and also to groom themselves. It's pretty cool to see. Anyway, uh, what can happen though is that in the very warm months, 
um, the heat, because they hanging in trees, but if it gets up to 40 degrees plus, which it can do on a few days a year in um, Adelaide, it gets pretty hot. And unfortunately, a couple of these bats will conk out and just fall out of the tree dead onto the path. Uh, so, um, so that's, so, you know, one hazard is, you know, dead bat on path, but the second hazard is if, is if you try to do something to assist it, because um, bats, um, like a lot of animals, happen to carry, uh, some bats can carry, um, uh, virus that can um, that can be harmful to humans. Yeah, um, I we've all known about that recently. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, so that's it. So we on our course we do a, a, a an event day course check, which apart from anything else um, uh, includes making sure there's no um, dead bats on the path. Uh, but um, but the, uh, we we don't we don't get that many, but we get some. But we do get some diving magpies. We do get some angry ducks from time to time. But our biggest issue is that our course. Um, goes past the Adelaide Oval, which is, you know, a local theatre of sports involving the mighty Australian rules football, where you can get 50,000 people crammed in for um, a big game. Uh, and uh, usually there's, you know, some people, of course, drink to excess and sometimes um, don't manage their um, handling of bottles that well. So actually, uh, we often have to clear the path of broken glass on a Saturday morning after a particularly heavy Friday night. Yeah, well, that's very similar to all UK parks as well. Yeah. We just have uh, mixed in dog shit rather than dead bats on ours. Nice. Oh uh, yeah. We we don't get too much dog 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 poo, but it's we get a lot of horse poo because so we've got um, some parts of the police force in uh, Adelaide are um, uh, mounted police on horses, uh, and the um, the barracks where they keep the horses, where they adjust these horses, is actually not far from our park run, and so often it's the commute for the horse and rider on the way to and from their their patrolling, and so we often get a fair bit of horse poo on the path of tree. Um, yeah delicately kick to one side uh, just before we spoke i did look up where torrance park run was oh, i've known about it for a long time i know you mentioned it but i don't think i ever really looked it up and i just kind of looked up where it is and what a location it's in it just seems to be just like a ring of park around the center of adelaide with the as you said the oval and the zoo and all this parkland and you're just right through the middle of it yeah it's beautiful and um uh we're very lucky in adelaide because um when the city was uh, established this um a sort of square belt of parkland was designed to um, be preserved. And um, uh, it's, it's by and large achieved that. There's, there's a fair bit of sporting infrastructure in there. Um, but a lot of it is at the sort of, you know, community level for the, for the kids playing um, soccer and, and cricket and so on. Hmm. So it's a fantastic amenity uh, in Adelaide. And there's, um, we've got two park runs in there. One is Torrens. Uh, the, uh, the second one is one called Pacapacanthi, which is a... Um, Aboriginal word for trotting because it's actually hmm. based on a old race course uh, and uh, a third one is about to be set up um, uh, location unconfirmed because you know Parker now likes to keep these things under wraps mm -hmm. to avoid a horde showing up on the launch even but though everyone be... everyone knows about it really locally though <laughs> yeah that's right but soon there'll be a third one which is great so anyone visiting mm -hmm. Adelaide gets a chance will be able to choose one of um, three different um, park runs without actually mm -hmm. having to take a taxi anyway Excellent. Yeah, mm -hmm. and also they'll have to come back three times or stay for three weeks. Of course, absolutely right. Um, are there any other cultural differences between park runs in Australia and the UK? Anything that you've noticed there? Um, in my experience, not particularly. I think okay. you get some park runs that are more friendly and some that are not so much less friendly, but just not not invested in mm -hmm. the same same degree. But I don't think that's that's culturally specific. I just think it just comes down to the accident of who happens to be involved in running local events. Okay. Um, you know, so, so some events are um, 
you know, tend to put a bit more into the welcome, a bit more into the sort of welcoming tourists and so on. And some are a little bit cooler on that. And I've noticed that to be as likely in Australia as it is in the UK. But I will say on balance, I think the, um, the Welsh park runs on average feel more welcoming. Mm. Uh, I, I, I remember um, doing, um, oh, what's it called? Um, Penalta mm-hmm. in, the, in the South Wales Valleys. And um, uh, uh, there were a number of things I loved about it. It's a great course, you know, it's mm-hmm. got a little bit of lumpiness in there through that sort of um, um, forestry sort of parkland area. Uh, but there was, you know, a, a, a Croiso welcome mat at the yeah. start line. It just nailed it for me. And then when uh, they did the three, two, one to get everybody going, they played the opening bars from, remember the band from the 70s called The Sweet, a uh, single called Blockbuster, which starts off with this um, drum beat and the sound of a police siren. And they played that as people started running at Penalta. I thought, this is the greatest park run ever. So that was a great welcome. Um, but, you know, there's always a welcome in the hills and valleys as well. So it's, um, mm. that's par for the course. So in that sense, I would say that's where I've noticed a cultural difference is mm-hmm. that the Welsh park runs on balance feel particularly welcoming. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's always nice to hear. Yeah, I feel there's something special about Welsh valley park runs. I think it's just something about kind of people there are very kind of direct and upfront and friendly. And you can mm. definitely feel that um, in the teams as well uh, when you do park runs here. Um, so that we well, you know that doesn't at all lead us on to this part of it, but it's the final question we ask is what is the most bullshit thing about running? Oh my god, I could well, well I mean, we've got three hours, yeah. Because well, the whole thing is bullshit, and there's so many different layers to it. Like, we could spend we could spend time talking about the you know how you co- get a collection of shoes. And I'm told that once I've done 800ks in a sh- pair of shoes, I have to now replace them. And so, like a sucker, I've done that. And so now I've got all these shoes at home. I've got all these shoes, which really, what are we going to do them for? Gardening? You don't throw them uh, you away. Know, most... You know, you know, you just keep them. <sighs> I don't want to throw them away because they end up in landfill. So I don't know if you've got a recycling scheme in the UK, but I'm not, I'm not aware of any sort of you know running shoe recycling schemes in yeah. Australia. So that's bullshit. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, I think um, you know. Um, the, the the it's running's uncomfortable i i, I don't know why i do it it's because you know, if i go out and run it's uncomfortable you know and i do enjoy some aspects of running but like the things that are meant to help you enjoy your running more you like getting faster running further in order to do those things it's uncomfortable you know you've got hills training and intervals training yeah. and strength training all of which as far as i'm concerned are deeply uncomfortable why would i do them and for what? So I could run further. So where does that get me? Uh, back where I started usually, because people usually run in a loop. <laughs> so what was the point of that? Why would I want to run further than I'm already running? And why would I run faster? Because how fast can you get? You can't get super fast, otherwise you'd be in the Olympics. So all that, my, um, all that is bullshit. Uh, but of course, it's balanced out by the fact that it's compulsive. And so um, I'll finish running. And the best part about running is finishing. Uh, which is what seems to reinforce you for going out running next time. But the thing I'd like to talk about, Stuart, in terms of um, the most bullshit thing, is that it, it, it makes you do things that make no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to tell you about something called the longest run, oh, okay, uh, yeah. which is in Australia. So the longest run is, uh, was um, concocted by some folk who are involved with parkrun. So, of course, it's, it's unofficial, uh, but it involves parkrun courses. And someone came up with this idea of, of celebrating the winter solstice, you know, the shortest day of the year or the Sunday that's closest to the shortest day of the year. 
and to cram in seven park runs. So the first one inevitably has to start at dawn, seven-ish, 7.30, depending on where you are. Um, and the last one finishes just before the light goes around five o'clock. Uh, and, and then there's five in between those two. Uh, and um, this happened uh, yesterday uh, in South Australia. Uh, it's called the longest run. Uh, and so I did it. And so it's bullshit because I didn't even know it was on until two days ago. Mm-hmm. And because it was on, I said, I decided I would do it. That's bullshit. Now, why? Just because it's on and because I'm a social park and I felt compelled to do it. So that was bullshit. The next thing that was bullshit is I spent all Saturday afternoon trying to decide what to wear. Because, you know, it's seven events in a row. You know, how many pairs of shoes do I take? How many shirts? Will it rain? Won't it rain? Do I need to take more um, calf supports? Um, uh, So so all that stuff. And I spent hours agonizing over this. And then, you know, I just grabbed every piece of activewear I own and threw it in the back of the car. Uh, And I also spent the rest of that Saturday trying to decide what food and drink to take, you know, to try and work out the science of this thing. Do I take protein, carbs? Take all of it. I took all of it. I spent a hundred bucks on what I would call running food, <laughs> including Stuart, a $5, what's that about two pounds 40, a $5 cookie, a protein cookie, one cookie that cost about two pounds 50 in your money, a cookie. I thought this has to be the greatest running cookie ever for it to be worth two pounds 50. Was so it all right? I bought, I bought two of those. Yeah. <laughs> bought two of those. So anyway, I took all this food. <clears throat> so um, uh, I got up at a stupid o'clock because uh, I had to leave by six in the morning uh, because this thing started, the one I was going to was starting at 7.30. But um, in Australia, we have something called possums, which are like these cat-sized rodents that, um, that uh, uh, you find all around Australia. And um, so they like to go into places like roof spaces and other places to hang out. And so we have possums in our roof space at the moment, and they get fairly um, shirty with each other. They get quite aggressive. Um, and so two possums were having a standoff in my roof space. And um, uh, uh, so at 20 past five in the morning, these bloody things are going at it, and they wake me up. So I get up and I get ready because I might as well get up. So I get up um, ready. I'm fully awake. I've had a coffee, and I look at my watch, and I raise it. 10 to 5 in the morning so in fact I'd misread my watch and it was 20 past 4 when they woke me up so I had all this time to spare (laughs) before leaving the house and somehow I still managed to arrive at the first park run late so I just park in the cars I saw the runners drifting off into the distance trying to go and catch them up so uh, so seven park runs in a row and so the way it works is that um uh, they allow about 50 to 55 minutes for people to complete mm-hmm. and then about 30 to 35 minutes to get to the next event. And most of these events were about 15 minutes drive apart. So it's, it's actually done really well. So mm-hmm. full credit to the organizers. Uh, and so seven park runs through the course of the day after the fourth one, you stop for a bite to eat, which is always a mistake because you feel like you want to eat everything in the cafe. Oh, yeah. But of course, running three more park runs after a full lunch, bad idea. No, that's ultra training. Uh, that's that's right. That's how you do it. That's that's another thing that's bullshit. What's the point of ultra training? There's a guy I know who's a keen ultra trainer. He ended up in the emergency room after doing a hundred k run in the Blue Mountains near Sydney, just dehydrated. So he spent the next day in the emergency room on a drift. See, that is bullshit with a capital B. Should have done more training. <laughs> Should have done more training. Anyway, so that's the bullshit. That's my. That's the biggest bullshit about part, about uh, running is it gets you involved in events. Now, the, and the thing with the longest run is there's nothing at the end of it. There's no oh, t-shirt. No. Yeah, yeah. There's no. There's no. There's no um, medal. There's no certificate. Nothing. 
So what what what's the point of doing anything that makes no sense at all? And yet I was one of the first to sign up once I heard about it. And that's bullshit. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> I've known about the longest run for a little while. I've kind of one of those things I've kind of heard of every now and then. And it's only just occurred to me, of course, the longest run in the middle of June is your shortest day. Because I always thought to myself, oh, it's the longest day. That's when it's the longest. That makes sense to me. But of course, it's the shortest day for you. So that makes it even yeah. worse because you're running dawn till dusk. Yeah, that's right. You'd be you'd be aiming for sort of December the twenty first, I suspect. Yeah, for a, for, that for would, an equivalent. Experience. I think well, we, the, the day would be shorter for us as well there uh, than is for you. But still, that's yeah. To do all that on the shortest day of the year is even worse. Yeah, it is. And actually, just on that point around um, uh, daylight, I was amazed how light it was when I was in Cardiff recently. <laughs> Like the, it was like the sun was up. At, like it felt like half past four in the morning. It's like, and, and I've never like, been in June before, apparently. No, that was the worst sleep ever for the three weeks I was there. Because short of getting blackout curtains, I was I was waking up at four thirty in the morning. How do people cope with that? That's, well, and I'll, we'll finish there with an Australian complaining it's too sunny in Cardiff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, I love how much he came alive as soon as he got to the bullshit. Like, he's only if he's on the video, he's like, he perked up and like, right, here we yeah. go. And I didn't expect <laughs> that because he seems so jolly. <laughs> yeah, it's the jolliest, jolliest people that have the most bullshit. That's what they say. That is what they say. And I think, Jamie, <laughs> now that's four guests we've had, had in a row. Is that a new PB? Oh, my God. I think it is. Yeah. We, we, we had a guest drought for a bit, we, didn't we? Yeah, it was quite all... a big guest drought. And now they're all coming at once. <laughs> They're all crawling back. They didn't want to know us when we were nobodies, and now we've hit the big oh, shot. All of a sudden, we, oh yeah, because we're big time now. Yeah, <laughs> no. it's basically the same as we were three years ago. But you know, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we're very comfortable on our plateau. Thank you. Yes, yes, we like where we are. <laughs> the more would be nice. Anyway, is the bullshit? Is the bullshit? Is the bullshit running news? Da -da -da. See, it's those kind of uh, values and production that we bring to this. That's that's yeah. what makes us big time. Exactly. The and hot <laughs> and hot on the heels of last week's episode, the enormous reach and scope of this podcast. Big time. Big time means she races have achieved an amazing milestone in influencing the London Marathon to make changes to their pregnancy and postpartum deferral policy. So from the she races Instagram post, general entry participants or participants with a good for age or championship place in the 2022 TCS London Marathon who are either pregnant or postpartum will now have the opportunity to defer their marathon race to a place in the same category in any future London marathon within a three-year window Ooh. that's fantastic three years as well so until last year's event london marathon's event standard policy was that championship or good for age places could only be deferred to a general entry while general entries could be deferred for any reason but only to the next year's edition of the event so this is really important because a lot of women who i mean some women have a baby and they can get straight back into it but other women have uh, like health issues from having a baby mm -hmm. or or just general stress that their bed body goes through you know carrying yeah. a baby and, and the, the time to train again as well yeah that's what i mean like you know you some women are, end up coming back and recovering and then starting from scratch again so this mm -hmm. is really really important well not from scratch but you know what i mean like having to train right back up again 
Um, there are also updates that say that wheelchair participants can now be pushed or assisted by others if needed, and that virtual runners can defer to a suitable day for religious reasons, uh, presumably Ramadan, and disabled runners can get special dispensation to take longer than the standard 24 hours, which is fantastic, you know? Those are all very good changes. In a way, I yeah. do feel a little sorry for someone sitting there in the London Mar- Marathon office. They get an email from some big runner and like, you have to change this policy. And they look at the email and go, oh, shit, yeah, we do, don't we? And like, right, this is <laughs> this is another three months work to change all of this. They have been very good. They've been very responsive in the last two years, to be fair to them. They've changed yeah. a lot of policies for very good things but yeah. i do wonder if they sit in there like oh god what's next what's coming next <laughs> god these pc <laughs> pc runners what inequality and making our god. event better god yeah jesus <laughs> it's i think it's fantastic when race organizers big small medium whatever size race when they're open to these things rather than getting defensive you see so many organizations Ooh, yeah. in running and outside of running getting really defensive it's like it's okay it's okay if you haven't thought of these things yet because sometimes you need someone from that that group that demographic to let you know what they need and that's okay so yeah. it's okay to hold your hands up and say we haven't thought about that thank you we'll take that on board and put it into practice yeah. like, there's no need to get defensive about it absolutely yeah Anyway, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? I'm going to the Commonwealth Games. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I didn't qualify myself, so oh. I'm just going to watch some netball and weightlifting because That's those an interesting are the, combo. Well, <laughs> the, the, the the website was a fucking nightmare. Um, so basically, we just wanted to get two sessions in the NEC on the same day, mm. and this is what I found. So luckily, we're seeing uh, Scotland and Wales play netball, and nice. I think. Proper netball is going to be amazing to watch. I'm actually really looking forward to that. And women's 76 kilo weightlifting. I don't know what format nice. that takes. I don't know who's competing yet. Can't see. But, you know, why not? It's something to watch, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's one of those things, any sport you can get into during the Olympics or Commonwealth Games, you'd never watch any other time. All of a sudden, massive fan. And watching it live will make me the biggest expert. I mean, I don't think I could ever be a fan of netball. I think I have too much trauma from schools because <laughs> that's a, like when I was in school I you know I don't know whether it's the same now but the girls played netball and the boys played football I don't think I ever played football in school it was like netball or badminton and I hated it I would much rather play football or just a sport of my choice rather than having to play netball because I was a girl <laughs> uh, our club has got a netball game as well we did the same for the Commonwealth <sighs> Games four years ago so we're doing it again Wales versus the rest of the world. I'm really looking forward to that. That is great fun. Nice. Um, It'll be great for those people that weren't scarred by netball. Definitely. Yes, absolutely. And, and of course, all the boys have never played netball. So yeah, we don't yeah, really yeah. know what's going on. It's great. Yeah. Um, there is also the Murder Mile. Amy, are you coming to do the Murder Mile? No, of course I'm not. <laughs> of course, you're not going to do a race called the Murder Mile. See, these bloody no. runners, not adventurous, don't want to do hard races. A just want, Just race. want to do their little easy ultras. They want to yeah. pay their 80 quid. They want to get their little medal and their T-shirts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, Have a little yeah, walk ul- for 10 an, hours. An ultra is easier than a mile, for sure, for sure. That is a different discussion we can have another day. Right, uh, yeah. Mona Mile is a fantastic event near Newport, up a hill for about a mile. Last 200 metres is flat. Everyone's forgotten how to run by then. It's amazing. Uh, also, the next day, Holly's doing ultra. Uh, unless nice. the weather's shit, in which case she's going to bed it off. But it probably which ultra won't be. is it? The Beast. Oh. The Edom. Well, I've just discovered, oh. uh, as we know, uh, Reese's events uh, are Vogum, Ridham, Canham. 
uh, things like that. This one is Edim, and I just realised it's because it's called Epint Dinky Donkey Ultramarathon. Because it's the Epint Way is the the name of the route they follow, Mm. and Dinky Donkey, because he went to a place uh, that does donkey walking very near the route, and the owner of that let him know about the Epint Way, and then he proceeded to create the race there. And we have seen those very donkeys, and they are lovely, and I believe they even come to the start-finish line. Oh, my God. (laughs) Donkeys at a race. Is that, um, what, what's the miles for that? That is a 50 miler. That's why it's called The Beast. It's meant to be the hardest, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. I can, I'm not surprised that she's saying if the weather's shit, she's not doing it. Yeah. What about you? Any 50 milers or mile races? No, No, I've got the rhythm coming up, like in whenever that is in September. I'm not really thinking about it. Uh, But no, (laughs) in the meantime, I've got the Exmoor Trail Running Challenge from the Trail Events Company. That's a half marathon. It's not actually a half marathon, though. It's 14.2 miles. Well, at least. At least, at least. But they know it's at least 14 miles, so I wish they wouldn't call it a half marathon. I wish they'd just say it's a 14-mile race. Yeah, know? it's better marketing though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that should be fun. Like, I said, Well, I'm saying it should be fun. The elevation looks horrific. I'm not doing really much elevation training, so. but I'm sure the views and the scenery and stuff will be fantastic. And yeah, I'm a bit nervous that I won't be able to, to finish it just because... The 13k we did in the Black Mountains, that was hard enough in terms of elevation. And this is a lot more, but we'll see. Content, hashtag content. Oh, wow. That is, uh, that is this week as well. Wow. So, yes, we'll have a, an update on that next time. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, next weekend. Ooh. Amy's doing races. Love it. I know. I know. <laughs> well, if you've enjoyed this portion and you want Amy to do more races, visit runningisbs.com. You can see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, our merch store, and our social medias. Bye. Have a fun race. Thanks. Bye. 90 episodes. Don't know how to say goodbye still. (laughs) What are they doing in the toilet?